This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, the Black Dahlia Murder will release their new album, Verminous, via Metal Blade Records. Verminous is the band's most dynamic, rousing, and emotional release to date and achieves this without compromising one iota of heaviness. Purchase your copy now of the Black Dahlia Murders Verminous. Metalblade.com slash TBDM. Once again, Metalblade.com slash TBDM. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends. Hello, hello, hello. It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... Hey, my name is Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And... Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on good old Instagram. This week, guys, I got JB Brubaker from August Burns Red. We are here to talk about their great new record, Guardians. It's coming out April 3rd, guys. So make sure you're pre-ordering it, checking it out. We'll get into that chat in a little bit. But as always, before we do that, let's jump into our Metal Sucks News. I gotta tell you, you upped the ante on the sounder this week. That's a legit punk rock song. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> it says it plain as day. He says something about you putting your dick in someone's Well, throat. it says, there? get the news out your mouth it's... or my dick is going in. You don't know where it's been. You uh, better not bullshit me. Truth. Okay, okay, okay. I did need a breakdown because it was an angry, angry tune. I like this one. Well, I'm known for my so uh, lovable and friendly tunes. Your dick is like Robert De Niro meet the parents. It's like a lie detector. Is that what the point of that song yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. Like, if my dick gets hard, you're lying, and it's going right in your mouth. I didn't pick up none of what you guys just said. That shit was ludicrous, okay? I'm sorry I brought up the lyrics. <laughs> I should have known better. Should have known better. Look, every time we try and break down the new song, Pete walks away a little dead on the inside. A little bit more dead than he was the week before. It's his fault for being surprised. I yes. do. I, I should I should know by now, dick jokes will follow. Yes. <laughs> no matter what I say about the new song. Well, I think the last week I said, how deep's your butt? So I, <laughs> no, that, I was, went, that was two weeks ago. Okay. This is your fourth. I, I know you smoke oh. a lot of weed, but... But like we've done four new sounders in a month. Wow. Well, yeah. I got to go back and listen to those. You better go smoke some more weed, right? Some more sounders. I mean, exactly. God, I, I'm, I'm but sorry. Was, I'm so inspired. But this, this was only the, this was the first, I think, legit punk rock song that you did. The other ones were like kind of. Well, the other ones were like the first time I ever tried mm, doing that. Okay. So this was the second time. Yeah. <laughs> Your tour de force. <laughs> the other ones, I just had the same exact song and I just sang, sang different lyrics. Yeah. This one, I'm hey, like. Hey, play, play an old one so people can hear okay well this was last week's i believe we're all gonna die let's eat the weak stop jerking off yeah 
Oh, you should have played it out. What was well, that about? I just, it's just me calling you a stupid bitch. Yeah, guy. that's the part I wanted to hear. Oh, all right. So anyway, something very specific that Pete's into. I love the fact that sound was a part of the show. At this point. So anyways, news. That's what we're, that's where we're at, right? We're at Let's news. stay focused, friends. Let's stay focused. We're not news. focusing on my art. News. Now, there's, there's a rumor out there that uh, Metal Sucks put out, and, and I'm sure many other uh, metal news sources may have done that. But the rumor is that Kerry King is basically going to continue Slayer, but Phil Anselmo will be on vocals. So he's going to have Gary Holt, Paul Bostaff, Kerry King, and Phil Anselmo. That, my friend, is what we call a super group. And that sounds fucking awesome. Now, would that be like a <laughs> right. Pantera Slayer? Like, would they be uh, doing Pantera songs too? Well, you know, I'll tell you. Nobody knows. This is a rumor. Or is this going to be like a down thing? Are they going to just going to like do a bunch of... Well, here's the thing. I'm hoping that it's a... They don't play Slayer songs. I know. I know. I'm. I'm this is... I am the minority. No, I want them to You're make, wishful thinking. I don't yes. want them playing Slayer songs. I don't want them playing Pantera songs. I want them to make a new record and just be a new band yeah well yes that's that's what i would like to hear i think all of us i think if they made a new record and they really focused on the new record and then sprinkled in maybe four songs four slayer songs and pantera songs just combined when they're set it would be huge the one thing i will say is i think that phil will be inclined to do a new album yeah. so there is hope there that he may push for that i think knowing him so hopefully fingers well, crossed and on top of that too i mean slayer and pantera they've toured around four years i mean slayer like, was one of the bedrock bands for pantera imagine they've played each other's songs a thousand times yes yeah. so I, I don't think this would be that difficult of a move to make mm-hmm it is two iconic bands. This is why I think this is so amazing. And it's just a rumor now, so don't get to have it. It's two iconic, A-level, legendary metal bands, right? Becoming one. That's crazy to me. Think about it. It's like Metallica and Megadeth coming together. Well, you know? it happened at one well, point. Well, you know, you know what I mean at this point. Okay. <laughs> right. It's, it's kind of a big deal. So I'm super That's excited like about it. That's like Metallica and Dave Mustaine from Megadeth <laughs> being in one band. Get out of here. What? You're blowing my mind. Now, this is this is Exodus, Pantera, and Slayer, because obviously Gary Holt. But the point is, is that, man, I'm super excited if that rumor comes true. That's the that's the record I, I want to hear. And, and now that Slayer has taken their final bow, and it sounds like they really have, you know, kind of. I, I was leaning towards, no, they didn't. Now I'm kind of leaning towards, probably they are, if this rumor's true. Well, this is how I feel about it. Once again, metal fans are the most fickle group out of any any genre of music. The second you... Yes, it's totally true. Anytime you change one little thing, metalheads lose their fucking minds, okay? But when you get two of... Two iconic metal bands, and really, I can't tell you who's more important to metal to the like as far as like a bedrock, whether it's Slayer or Pantera. Both of them brought two distinctly different sounds to metal. It's hard. It's hard. It really I, is no, hard I to think tell. Slayer it's, is more important, but I think to a, a different generation, you're right. It, may, it might be Pantera. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah. It's like Slayer was. Uh, there's an argument for both. There, exactly. That's the thing. But the thing is, is but historians how, have to lean Slayer. Well, yeah. and, and no matter what, when you start discovering metal, when I discovered metal when I was a teenager, the first two bands I discovered were Slayer and Pantera. Like one leads to the other often. Yeah. So they are kind of hand in hand in a way like they do kind of you may not be fans of both. But if somebody's like, oh, you like Slayer, check out this Pantera record. It's not a crazy leap. Exactly. So I think with the fans, again, the fickle fans, when you put a Phil Anselmo in with basically Slayer as this band, I don't think they're going to have much room to bitch. No, which they love to bitch. Let's go to the other side of the fence. 
can this project be bad? Can no. it not work out? I think anything can be bad, especially if you believe your own bullshit and you don't think that you have to at least find some kind of a groove within these bandmates. Mm -hmm. You know, again, some guys just go into a situation and they think their name is going to be the thing that carries them through, and it's you not. You think after all of the things that Carrie King and Slayer and well, Phil especially and with how many have, different bands and Phil and how Selma's many different bands they've been in, how yeah. many projects they've been in, this is not going to be bad. They're, it's not about brilliance or magic or anything. It's about work. They've had the work experience to make sure that no matter what they do, it's going to be professional and great. I'm just saying, like, there is a chance for it to be bad. That's all I'm getting. I don't at. think so. It's like, I just think I, I've seen things where, you know, oh, my God, it's the super group. And then you hear it and you're like, eh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Because egos That's, clash. It's yeah. Egos are going to clash. But my thing but is, though, is I think there's going to be. Ex, but, yeah. my, but my problem is, though, is there's going to be. A bunch of people that are going to go, they're going to have their own expectation. And immediately, if that sound doesn't match the expectation, they might turn off to it initially, but they just have to give it a chance. Let this band be its own band. I think, Phil, I think that... Fingers crossed. It's not just yeah. a, a live touring thing. Yeah. And, and hopefully this rumor is real. And, and Pete's right. Phil has the Phil is was in down. He knows what to do. He knows how to make this work. He, he knows how to he, he knows how to wrangle up them egos. Yep. And and put out a phenomenal record. And is my point. Let's uh, let's also focus. Terry King, though, on the other hand, he's only only with been with Slayer. Yes. Yeah. He, Th that's what he I'm on the other at. hand might might have too much pride. Well, well this is interesting. That's what I'm this getting at. Interesting. It's like, are they going to be able to set aside their egos for the good of the band? I don't think Kerry King's. Like gonna be that much of a problem. I don't think he is either. I think I think when you look at Phil and Selmo and you look at Kerry King and you look at the lives both of those guys have led, it's there's a lot of similarities and you do have to have uh you you just have to have that 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 frame of mind to where you again it's all about the band. Phil and Selmo, dude, it, it does scare me to think about how many different bands he's been a part of. You know, and it's like, why can't he just stay in one band? Why does he have to have all these different projects? I think he's playing with sound. I think he's being an artist. I think he's being explorative. I don't think that it's about egos or anything. I think that that's more artistic and less so social. It would be difficult, though, because are you going to be able to get the same... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The, the same um, dedication from Phil and Selma because he knows he, again, when you're dealing with an artist, it's like, oh, I want to make this, but it doesn't go with this band. I want to make this. It doesn't go with this band. When you were Carrie King and you had an idea, it was like, I want to make this. Slayer's doing it. Yeah, but I think that this conversation applies to bands that aren't Slayer and Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is a one-off. Like these guys are Slayer and Pantera. These are different. It's just yeah. different. You know what I mean? I think if it was two other great bands that were collaborating, reading these we would have these worries but i just don't see it being a worry at I, all i see i see this also being a good paycheck for these guys again when, when you're one of those seminal bands like pantera or slayer and you go out there you're always going to have a name that can at least help you sell out the house of blues yep i'll pay you know? yeah you know i don't think carrie king is willing to take a lot of steps back I think no. Phil Anselmo doesn't care. I think he'll play it. Oh, Phil Anselmo people. doesn't yeah. care. He, he, he just wants he, to play music. He's all about the music, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more or less. I don't, th I don't think the popularity. But then on the flip side, I mean, after the passing of Vinnie Paul, they've been playing nothing but Pantera tunes because, you know, obviously that's going to sell more tickets. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that rumor, excited. We talked a lot about it. We did some pros and cons. We'll probably have to talk about it again, hopefully, when uh, this actually comes to fruition. The next thing I did want to talk about is that um, a lot of you guys probably knew that Hatebreed, we are expecting a new album from them, but it's been postponed indefinitely because the pressing plants in the uh, EU and North America, they've been closed. So records are not getting pressed for a lot of albums that were probably slated for 
I don't know. This one didn't have a release date, but if we say May, June, or July, then a lot of those records are now going to get pushed out. So um, because the pressing plants, obviously. Now, Jocelyn and me were talking about this, and she thinks that going digital is the way to go. I completely disagree because I think that hate breeds audience is pretty big with the, uh, especially in Europe and in. I mean, I think North America they got a, a pretty good, big following with uh, physical copies. I mean, they're of that generation where people but Jocelyn's, do buy records still Jocelyn's buy records. plan wasn't that though. Mm-hmm. Jocelyn was saying well she's what, right here she can talk <laughs> yes you want to talk or do you let want me be your to, lawyer Jocelyn. no no no, no. I was just letting the men do it yeah, I please, mean yeah. <laughs> oh, somebody who knows the place uh. <laughs> but I think I agree with you because I also I grew up with hate breed and mm-hmm. and that's from the generation when you would buy like vinyl flags and hang them on your wall like so the physical shit is important to those fans um, I get that. But what I'm saying is that there is a huge opportunity right now to fill people's time with your art. So if they were to release this and say, hey, if you guys pre-order the physical copy, we will send you, even if they were only to send four tracks and say, we'll send you a digital download. It'll just be half the record. You'll listen to the rest when it comes out. It'll at least give them a bunch of time to make streaming revenue or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, 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 and number one, I think all bands should be doing that. Mm-hmm. If you buy, I, I a, disagree. If you buy a physical copy yeah. i think you should always get a d- digital download because you're going to take the cd and burn it into your computer anyway Anyways. so it's the oh, same exact thing i don't disagree with that i'm so sorry uh, I, th- I thought you meant so- yeah no i don't i don't disagree with that i know i feel like 90 percent of the vinyls i get there is a digital download with it some some don't but most labels do do that with the vinyls with the cds they don't but i guess the point is is that a record is still a big deal. It's going to be a release. There has to be a momentum. There has to be press behind it. There has to be a tour where it's 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 this whole machine that sells that record, gets fans excited, and then that week when it comes out, we jump at it. That's kind of the thing. If you drop a record right now, um, or not right now, but in May, let's just say, or June or July or whatever, I, I, again, there wasn't a release date for this record. If you do that, you're not going to have any of that momentum. It's just going to get dropped the physical copies are going to get sent out and then you have to do the momentum and start it all up later. So to me, it makes a lot of sense to just say, Hey, we're going to pump the brakes on this. We have a record done when we can present it and give it the, the do it deserves through the press, through everything. Then we'll get it back on track. I think a lot of bands should do this, which I mean, unfortunately I don't want to say that cause I'm, I'm not going to get any new records. That's a selfish mind, but I think a lot of, I don't want any great records to happen and not, you know, get the the proper push. I'm with you, but a yeah. proper push could often be releasing singles. I don't know if that works in heavy metal. It could. At all. It, it, work, it works know. in hip hop and stuff, but I can't think of one band that's released a single or anything like that. That's really garnered much attention. I'm They're sure, almost like B sides and throwaway tracks. But we're also know? in a different time in the world right now. Everyone's at home. Well, speaking of, I mean, Hatebreed just released a single just by itself, a standalone thing. And I mean, it, it's cool and all, but I mean, we are, and this is me speaking for, I guess, uh, there, maybe not everybody in the metal w- world, but we are, we're album consumers. We're not I'm, song I'm, consumers. I'm different. I, I mean, I don't feel like we, I don't feel like this genre is really the kind that can be like, give me a track. It's like, give me an album. I mean, there's no choice. They have to postpone it indefinitely. There's no one to make the album. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude. it's not really a choice. Don't, don't, don't give up on the physical copy out there, friends. Don't. Um, yeah. If you guys can't make them bands, hold I, off, I, man. I think Jaws only hold had off. the answer though. It's like when there was going to be a release date on the release date, you get a digital copy sent to you and then wait till the hard copy gets sent to you and then you'll be set. 
Yeah. Then you can look through all the artwork and read all the lyrics, and you can get the lyrics off the internet before the CD comes. So speaking of a single song, though, now that we just said that, eh, we don't know if it works, the coronavirus prompted a surge in sales of one single song, and that is Disturbs Down With The Sickness. Ugh. The track is up 31% in digital song sales and 3% in U.S. streams. Now, Ooh, wow. <laughs> do you think that people are quarantined and are like I gotta hear that song by Disturbed or is this just kind of like a, what do you guys think is this a, this has to be correlated correct? I think that people are making funny online videos and they're doing funny things for their Instagram stories and, and this their is, TikToks and this is a, in their TikToks and this is a hilarious song to use for a funny video during a pandemic the fact that you when Pete read me this line the headline of this and I'm like I hate myself for not thinking of this yeah <laughs> Like, mm. I hate myself why for not wasn't thinking I TikTok-ing of making, to this making song. a TikTok with this song. <laughs> wow, that's why you think it happened is because of social media? That's yes. weird. Because the other, the other pandemic songs that had a huge jump, R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, At the Drive-In's Quarantine, Joy Division's Isolation, and uh, The Knack's My Sharona because it rhymes with Corona. Corona. Let's, yeah. not, let's not forget that my generation, the millennials, we love an ironic party. And there have been a lot of coronavirus we parties. We yeah. We do. Bro, we love yeah. parties where we're like, we, we don't love even, to mock we don't even really want to be here, yeah. but we're let's here. Let's go party, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> and you know people are having coronavirus parties, and these songs are all on the playlist. Oh. You know. French you know. onion dip. I actually don't know that. Are people having coronavirus yes. parties? Who, who's doing this? People Alex. all over the country. Yeah. People are having coronavirus Once again, parties. it's not yes. happening right in front of Pete. And he's like, what? Yes. It's, it's actually not millennials having the coronavirus parties. It's actually Gen Xers. What's the generation? Generation Z, not Z's. X. Yeah. That's yeah, what I meant. Yeah. yeah, I'm Gen X. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the early 20s kids that are having parties. But I imagine that this, if you're, if I was going to throw a coronavirus party, I'd be like, well, I have to put down with the sickness on the playlist. Right, of course. You this know? has like, to duh. happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. A youth, youth energy. Whatever. And also, that song never gets old. I'm sorry, I know a what lot of song people, never gets old. I don't know a lot of people don't like Disturb, but I love that song. That Down song is from my youth. That song is from when I was like, I was like 10. You know, so that song is deep. I listened to it now. I was like, I remember when that first came out. I'm like, these guys are trying hard. Well, you never went wakeboarding, okay? This song is awesome. <laughs> or kneeboarding. Or, yeah, you're probably right. If I would have been able to do a nice method in the if waves. If you had like sports growing up, you would yeah. love Disturb. Like, <laughs> I see Steve-O getting shit all over him. Himself in a fucking porta potty in this song playing in the background. Yeah. That's what this song is really? good for. That's the that's my mindset of it. Is that it's it's built for the jackass jokey stuff. But anyways, hey oh, man, you, more mean power like, to you mean like ironic parties? Oh my god! Yeah. Ah. Educating Pete. Ah, fuck you both. <laughs> Unnecessary. Unnecessary. I'm not getting edu- ironic parties. <laughs> not, I guess I'm not a theme party guy. No, I oh. think that's no. I, I, okay, first off, not only do you need to drop the word theme and party. Yeah, you're not a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't know. You guys Bra- making fun of me? No, Brandon didn't yeah. know what he was saying. No, I'm just saying. No, I'm just. You, you, yeah. you know, sometimes I can't follow. Am oh, I yeah, getting right. made fun of? Actually, right now? no, I just messed no, it up. No. I thought he was like, no, I, yeah. here, just eat this radish. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. You're not a theme. Guy, you're not a party guy. You're just the a guy, guy. <laughs> a guy with no party. Well, I got a radish now, so yeah. I'm going to the interview. <laughs> got all those vitamins, so I'm gonna eat this radish, guys. But you guys enjoy my interview right now with JB from August Burns Red. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got JB from August Burns Red. We are here to talk about the new record, Guardians, which is coming out. April 3rd, guys. Now, JB, how are you holding up, man? How's everything going in your world? Um, 
all things considered, I'm fine. Um, we're as shocked as everyone else in the world is right now. So it's, it's an adjustment period, but my wife and I have been isolated for two weeks already. Um, we're at home with my son. So he's only two years old. So it's, a a lot of one-on-one time with, with the kid, but, um, we're healthy and we're fine and just kind of waiting things out like everyone else. Absolutely, man. Two years is, uh, I, I have a couple, a couple kids, uh, one's four now, one's, uh, eight months. Wow. It's quick. Oh boy. Yeah. Both boys. And, uh, the two years is my favorite is, is probably my favorite age, two or four. Cause you get so much, uh, I don't know. They just do new things all the time where that first year was kind of just maintenance. Now it's kind of watching it's observing. So I think this yes. is a good time. I think this is a good time if I had to be quarantined to, to be with my son for two years. I think that would be a great time. So I keep everything kind of positive on that. Like um, homeschooling is something that's going on across the world right now. You don't have to worry about that. But I would be excited. I'm not in that boat right now. I would be excited to actually like, get a packet and sit down and like be like, all right, let's do some math. I don't know why that sounds like so fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, even... you're obviously a hands-on dad then. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I try, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you know how life is. It, it's work is work is work is work is work. And uh, I feel like it's it's amazing. And I'll, I'll bring this to the record. It's amazing how um, – so much little distractions happen when you, you do have your kids around or, or family and you have to kind of go back and forth and back and forth that it's almost like a half focus on anything that's artistic. Do you ever experience that while doing that? Or can you actually stop everything and focus completely phone off all that? It's definitely a challenge. Writing has been different since I've become a dad. Um, my wife isn't working now. She's uh, been a stay at home mom since my son was born. So um, having both of us in the house at the same time with our kid has made it, uh, it's just, it's just a different vibe. I can't just walk in for eight hours by myself, like I was doing for our entire career, really. Um, because I want to be there for my family. And so, you know, I, I take breaks to eat with them or if my wife needs a break just because my son's being difficult or whatever, you know, it's, it's hard to get into that long, just, creative session at this point, but I know it's all temporary. And once, um, my son's in Beckett, once Beckett's old enough and going to school and stuff, it's just going to return. Life will return to normal as far as the creative process goes for me. I do want to talk about the new record guardians. Uh, with that record, there is a loose theme on the album about being there for someone who's reaching out for help. Why was that theme important to you guys on this album at this stage of your career? Well, I think it was a result of some of the things that the guys in the band who write the lyrics have been going through, um, specifically with our drummer, Matt Greiner. Um, he unfortunately went through a divorce uh, in the last year or so. And, you know, that's some, some heavy stuff to go through, and it affected him, and he wrote about it. So while going through that process, he had people there for him, and I think he recognized how important that was for him during that difficult time. And... That sort of just became a theme, not not his divorce in general, but more the uh, the theme of being there for others um, through hardships. And August Burns Red has always been a band to uh, have a generally positive message with whatever we're talking about. So it was it was a, a natural subject for us to cover, and it wasn't something that we had set out to write about. Um, it just sort of happened to be that way as the songs came together. Mm. 
Yeah, nice. And I mean, this is the first time, if if I'm wrong, let me know. This is the first time you guys as a band had a long time to work on songs and do that and, and kind of had a time frame where you were like, we can fine-tune everything. Is that correct? And this record was kind of like the longest writing process for you guys in that regard? Yeah, we spent a lot of time writing and even more time recording. The, the big difference for us on Guardians is that we recorded the record in two different sessions. We did a spring session, just our bass player and I, um, Dustin, our bass player, and I wrote all the music. So as we finished songs, we, we recorded what we had done in uh, April of last year. And then we went and started our 10 Years of Constellations tour. And that forced us, of course, to take a break from the studio. But we did some more writing while we were on the road. And in August and September, we went back into the studio. Uh, this time as a whole band, recorded the rest of the songs that Dustin and I had written. And then did all the drums and vocals. So we spent a little over two months total on the 13 songs that we uh, tracked, which seems like a lot, and it's more than we've ever spent before. But I swear, if you're in a band, no matter how much time you have to make a record, like if someone's like, here, you have four months to be in the studio, you'll use all four months. <laughs> like it's just the way, That's just the way it works. It makes sense to me, man. I think the hardest thing for artists is to know when to say when on like a song or anything they're doing. I'm like, I, that's the point was like, when do you know it's, good enough like that that's always been a hard point um do you ever struggle with that or are you always kind of like you know when the song is finished um i definitely do a lot of rewriting and it, it's something like if i think i have a song done i like to sit on it for maybe a week or so before i share it share it with the rest of the band and during that time i might hear something different and go back and change it but you have to at some point just say Dude, enough's enough. This song is done. It's fine. Especially in the demo form, you know, before the rest of the band hears it. Because once you get in the studio, you can change stuff anyways. If if you hear something different when things are being done, you know, really meticulously. Um, I've, I've seen some bands uh, when I was a kid. There was a, a post-rock band that a bunch of my friends had started that they would never finish anything because they would just tweak again and again and again and it was very frustrating to watch and i i think i learned through watching them struggle with that to just sort of let go at some point and let the song be what it is you learn more when you put it out there and you get feedback and there's a reaction and then you're like oh i see now yeah you're right but if you keep it in house i wonder what that is because there's a lot of people like that that will will have something fantastic but then it's overthought and then it loses any meaning and it changes through the whole process. And, and I wonder if that's sure. just an insecurity. What, as, as an artist, what do you think that is for, for people that are never quite finish that, that, that moment or that song they're trying to say? And insecurity is a really great way to describe it. I think they're just wondering if it could be a little bit better or if this part's, if this section is what it's supposed to be, you know, and, no one knows what it's supposed to be because no one knows what you're writing anyway. So mm. it's supposed to be what you think is cool. And that's something that I've always set out to do when I write songs. If I don't think it's cool, why would anyone else think it's cool? So if, if I'm not stoked on a song, I won't record it or I won't even share it with anyone else because what's the point? But if I am stoked, um, I generally feel like the rest of my guys will be excited about it as well just because of being 
<laughs> because we've written so many records at this point, we kind of are all on the same wavelength. Mm. Yes. Dude, I like that. I like that. I do want to talk about a specific song on the new record. It hasn't been released yet, but that I want fans to make sure they're pre-ordering and picking up the record. This song really stuck with me, and that's Three Fountains. Um, it's the album Closer. It's a highlight to me personally. But tell me a little bit about this track. Sure. Uh, it's one of my favorites as well. Um, and it was, the, it was the last song I wrote before the, uh, the spring session that Dustin and I did. And I, I like to write songs every once in a while that aren't just the straight balls to the walls kind of tracks. In fact, I, I at this point in my life, um, enjoy more dynamic music, especially in, in metal. I, I just kind of like the, the more brooding sort of things. And Three Fountains was a song that I wanted to be, I originally wrote it to be sort of like the interlude track um, in the middle of the record, but it, it ended up being the closer. And I'd say it was influenced by more post-metal kind of stuff like uh, Cold of Luna, which is one of my favorite bands of all time, and um, maybe like Isis and those, you know, that, that whole world of bands. Um, I've, I've done a few songs um, with August Friends right over the years where I, I kind of try to play into that influence more. And uh, Three Fountains is just another example of that. It's, it's probably my favorite of of those sorts of songs that August Ringtrum has done. Now, you did bring up recently that you celebrated the Constellations and on 10-year anniversary. What new perspective do you have on that record after touring it and seeing that it lived the test of time? Well, the first thing I realized was how much of a different player I am and a songwriter I am from 10 years ago. Because a lot of the songs we hadn't played in a long time or, or ever, for that matter. And I had to go back and relearn that stuff. And it's just such a different style than I'm accustomed to playing now. Um, a lot thrashier and uh, just faster, I think, really, with the with the riffing. I, I was a younger man who spent more time just <laughs> playing my guitar at that point, I think. But uh, I, I I really like the record still, and I think it's cool. It's a cool uh, capsule of where we were as a band at that point. Um, and it's my favorite thing about the Constellations 10-year tour was uh, – seeing the fans react to those songs, which were nostalgic to them and special to them. And I totally understand that feeling because there are records that are important to me for that same reason that I would love to go see live. So, um, it was cool to be, I guess on the stage and being the band that people were excited about for a nostalgia purpose. Cause I've seen that, you know, on my end as a fan. Yeah, dude, that's actually really, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that, is that you're right. From a fan, you're like, oh, we're going to revisit something that brings me back to a time, youth, and all that stuff. And you were on the flip side of that. I think that's super cool, man. Now, with the new record, um, you guys, you know, many tours have been scrapped. You guys were going to have a tour, North America tour with Kill Switch Engage. Um, Really looking forward to that one. Had light, Light the Torch on there as well. I think you guys did play one date. Is that correct? We actually got two in. Two in, okay. Yeah, yeah. not many. <laughs> yeah. Man, how were those two dates? Because we're not going to get to see that tour. Is there a rescheduling? Let me ask that real quick. Or is this, it just kind of got scrapped because of, uh, unfortunately, what's happening right now? The entire tour is rescheduled. Oh. Um, who knows if we'll play it? Mm. Uh, you know, we're not announcing the dates yet because no worries. everything that's been rescheduled now that is affiliated with Live Nation or AG is, is currently just in a holding pattern because no one knows what the future holds with when we'll be able to do gatherings again. But, uh, 
the first two shows were awesome, man. I we were looking forward to this tour for a really long time because Switch has been a band that we've never gotten to properly tour with, and it was a long time coming. We had been talking about getting something or getting on the road with them for a couple of years now, and the stars finally aligned. <laughs> and then you know this whole thing happened. So we absolutely want to do what we can to make those dates happen. Um, and if the first two shows were any indicator of how the rest of the tour was going to be, it was definitely going to be one of the the biggest and best tours we would have ever been a part of. It's unfortunate, man. But like you know what, I I always try not to dwell on any negatives, right? So, and there's a lot of negative things happening currently with a lot, you know, with what's going on. But what are positives? of being a working musician during a time like this. Is there any? Well, there's a lot of downtime and downtime means you can get creative and write. And that's something that I'd like to try to do. And I've started doing a little bit. Um, I'm not used to having six to eight months off to just be at home. So, uh, I want to take advantage of this time and, and, and try to write some music, which is funny because we are, like you said, only putting a record out, a new record's coming out in a week. So we're not, we're, we're not in that phase right now at all, but I'm not sure what else to do at this point. Um, with my time, I, I can't go get another job. Uh, no one's working right now. Um, and I don't really want to go. I don't really want to go find work elsewhere. So I'm going to do what I can at home, pick up my guitar and, and see what comes out. And now with, with working musicians and working bands, I know that streaming services don't pay really well and all that stuff. However, there is still that revenue that fans can can do, like by listening to you guys on, on whatever streaming service they have or picking up the record. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I guess could be seen as a positive, but with physical copy sales, do you think this will affect it in some sort of negative way? Because I heard Amazon's uh-huh. not going to send them out anymore our pre-orders. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great news. Is that <laughs> no, true? I heard that, oh, too. You heard I, that too. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, okay. I heard, yeah, I heard Amazon's only shipping essential items. Mm-hmm. So certainly, uh, metal themes would not fall under that umbrella. I disagree. So, I don't know. <laughs> You're right. We'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I just ordered a, uh, a dimmer light switch off of Amazon last night. We'll see if that shows up or not. It said it was coming in one day, and I definitely don't feel like that's an essential item. This but. is this is true. I've 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 tried to order some weights. You know, not like a weight set, but just some like free weights just to do something physical. And it was like thirty days. Yeah. Like, okay. I, fine. Oh you know? my god. <laughs> yeah, thirty days. So I I, okay. I I compromised though. Jump rope. It's on its way. Oh, there you go. So, you can, mean, you can always do the weight, the weighted jump rope. I, I could do something. <laughs> I was just yeah. looking for anything that was like, all right, nobody cares about jump rope. It's got tassels on it. It's going to be ridiculous. I'll be in my backyard. It's okay. Um, but yeah, hey, jump rope is a brutal, brutal workout. It's it's legit. <laughs> Very tiring, dude. I'll tell you something right now. I haven't jump roped in a long time, and I've talked to my friends about it. And I know this is kind of an off-topic situation, but they told me they're like, if you can jump rope for 60 seconds straight when you haven't done it in like 10, 15 years, they're like, they'll be proud of me. I'm like, is it that hard? And man, I, uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm up for this jump rope challenge. <laughs> if, if I can, so do you have the jump rope or are you waiting for it? To no, come? it's coming. Yeah. I haven't, it hasn't showed up yet. It hasn't showed up yet. So when, uh, when's the last the anticipation. time? Yeah. The anticipation of jump roping is, is, is like <laughs> the highlight of my house. Right? Cause my record stopped. I got to tell you, like I pre-ordered a ton dude for April. 
you guys. There's a testament record. There's a Warbringer. There's a ton, right? That they're that I that I pre-ordered. Yeah. And um, yeah, Amazon sent a thing being like, due to exactly this is not an essential item. So right now it's like postponed for a month. And then normally I have one record store, which is Zia Records out here in Las Vegas, and I love Zia. But yeah, they're closed. So. I'm probably just going to uh, bite the bullet and I'll buy it on iTunes, man. You know, it's like, uh, which is not like, to me, it's a compromise, but to the rest of the world, it's probably not. But it's a little bit of a compromise because you want to, I want that CD to be in the stack with the others, you know, it's like number eight, let's throw it in there. You know, so, but uh, <laughs> that's how so it is. So you're a big CD collector at I, this point, you still, you still buy CDs? I do. CD, vinyls, uh, DVDs, all that stuff. Um, I guess it's a Generation X thing. I don't know if it is or not, but yeah. I do have a room in my house that looks like a, a blockbuster in like a, a CD store for my kids to like wander around. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm still a big fan of that. I, I don't know. I, I it's it's how I was taught to intake music. I guess you know. Right. So. Well, I think it's cool. I, I mean, I do think it's cool. I I got rid of almost all of my CDs a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I kept like my favorite like 80 records or whatever that I, I, I held on to a, a, a nice stack, but I got rid of hundreds of them. And it was because I just am not, I wasn't playing them. Like I was never using them and they were just sort of taking up space. Um, Cause I had gone digital with how I was listening to my music and my wife and I are, we don't like having a lot of stuff, even though I do have, I, I I'm a collector, which is a problem because I don't want to have stuff, but I collect stuff. So, uh, I got rid of my CDs and I sometimes wonder if it was the right move or not, if, if, if I'll regret it, but it, it, it's a done deal now. It is a done deal. There's no going back, but, um, I gotta tell you, I'm going to tell you from my perspective, like, cause I still buy CDs. They're not cheap anymore. Um, they're, Oh really? Yeah, they're not. I mean, you buy them first week. That's why I always try to pre-order them. You'll get them for that good price. But man, six, seven, eight months later, you're you're looking at eighteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, or it's out of print. They they run out of print so fast. Oh, all the stuff. It's like two thousand two again. Yeah, it's crazy to me. So now it's like I jump on it. Yeah, but there there is a point. I had this conversation with my wife about stopping. She's like, yeah, when you're 40, maybe you should just stop buying physical stuff. And I'm like, we'll talk about it then. We'll talk about it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of a hard uh, line to just cut off, I feel. You, you have to ease into that. Mm-hmm. You that's, said it, man. I don't know how you can just stop cold turkey if you're like a hardcore collector of physical media. Yeah, you said it. And you you said you are a collector of things. Um what what out of curiosity if I can ask, what's something that you do collect? I collect baseball cards. Mm, nice. Which is like the worst thing to collect because <laughs> I collected them as a kid. Here's what happened. I was a everyone collected cards as a kid. Uh-huh. So I was I, I did the same and then when I became an adult and started I, I was single and I had disposable income and I got back into it. And you can waste a lot of money on baseball cards really fast. They're not cheap anymore. And it's all about chasing the quote-unquote hits. Like, you buy a, a box of, like, 24 packs, and you'll be guaranteed X amount of hits, which is, like, a, an autograph card or a card with, like, a jersey relic in it or something. So you start chasing getting good hits and blah, blah, blah. And I spent so much money on baseball cards over, like, a five-year span of from 2012 to 2017. And amassed this 
this huge collection of Cliff Lee cards. Like I pursued him specifically. He was my favorite baseball player on the Phillies. And I have almost 900 different Cliff Lee cards alone. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's a little ridiculous. And I've, I've since stopped collecting because he retired and it kind of, uh, extinguished my fire for, for the hobby. Um, because, you know, I didn't have that chase anymore. I kind of, I, I chased down all the cards that I could find of his, and then they stopped making new cards for him. So I, I stopped collecting. But now I have just a big pile of baseball cards that's taking up, like, one half of my office space. Is it organized, or do you have them, or no? Oh, it's so organized. Nice. So it's, 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 it's stupidly organized. I even have... This is how bad it gets. I even have a spreadsheet for my Cliff Lee collection that documents every single card, like describes it, the price I paid for it, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. That's awesome, man. I think every human being needs that. They need, they need that chase. Right. And as, right. <laughs> as long as we can say nerdy stuff or we can be like, I'm collecting movies or horror movie or whatever. Cause I collect, I collect like old horror movie VHSs, so all my VHSs are, are just horror movies now, right? That's just what I do. Um, nice. So I'll look for them all over the place, and they're worthless. And dude, half the time I get them from eBay, they don't even work. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I paid six dollars for it, so let me try to get my money back, and then it's gone. But I guess the point is, is that like you gotta have that something to get obsessed about, to get excited about. You know, I think a lot of people during my growing up if if that's i don't know why i went shakespeare on us there um while growing <laughs> up um they they got into that chase with bad things like drinking gambling certain things you know like that and it's like i always yeah chased nonsense if i may you know but I sure feel, I feel, well that's a better thing to chase than addiction i suppose exactly but i i feel like it's the same like you said cold turkey it's the same thing to shut it off it's gonna be like I feel weird about this. Obviously, it's not the same thing as serious drugs. I'm sorry, people. I, I didn't mean it like that. But what I mean is there's there's just something in your mind that you have to replace it with. And that's why I have a fear to stop buying my CDs and stuff. Because it's like, what am I going to replace this with? Nothing bad, hopefully, but I need something, you know? And you would you would have to find something yeah. because you, you will be bored. Like, there's, there's a hobbyist in you that needs to be fueled. <laughs> you said it man and there's so many things that i do want like chasing i don't know about toys or like like horror movie toys or like movie posters or something but there's something else in me if if my lady says at 40 no more cds that i'm gonna i'm gonna fill this house up with she just doesn't know <laughs> but baseball cards dude growing up you said it i remember being like six and going to like a, a card collecting like it looked like comic-con does these days it was like people were everywhere it was like in the casino out here yeah. and, and you can go and, and get autographs by a bunch of guys and pay him money I, I remember i had to pay jose canseco for an autograph and uh oh uh, yeah yep my dad was like How i used much? to go to the, like <laughs> yeah I'm, and i'm sure he was charging a lot back then he would have been like one of the premier players yeah, I don't know how much my dad paid. I can't remember, but I remember him being like upset about it. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it's always an awkward like asking for someone to pay for an autograph is is an uncomfortable proposition, and I feel like you see it in baseball a lot. Like baseball players love to, especially ex uh, like players who aren't in the game anymore. Like it's like I guess an easy revenue stream, or used to be, to just pour yourself out 
for autographs. <laughs> Dude, you're completely right. How, how, imagine that, though. Say you're like, I'm just going to say a random player. I don't know. Uh, Chuck Knobloch, right? Say you're Chuck Knobloch, right? Sure. And you haven't played forever, and some dude walks up to you and asks for an autograph. And this isn't, there's no truth to this, but then can you imagine the balls of him being like, all right, that's $25? <laughs> like, can you imagine? Oh, no, it like, makes me cringe. Yeah, it it's makes like, me so whoa. uncomfortable to think about that. But uh, yeah, that that was that was the one thing I did not really like about those places is that, like you said, you have these heroes, these uh, these athletes, and it's like, mm, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if there are metal bands that do such things. I don't think so. I've never heard of that, personally. I do like meet and greets. I think that's fantastic. Do you guys do meet and greets a lot? We do. Mm-hmm. We've, we've gotten into that whole world, and I guess some might say that is not much different from what I was just describing of things for an autograph. But for me, the meet and greet is so much more exciting than those lines of going up to meet a a baseball player and having him scribble his name and then you just move onward and you're, you're in front of him for like three seconds. I mean, there's to to me, if if I were to buy a meet and greet package, I would be buying it for the photo with the band. That would be the most important thing for me personally. Cause I think photos with people are way cooler than someone signing something, But, but that's just my personal opinion. I think they are. I see what you're saying. I think they are different, though. Um, I don't know. I, I, know, I know that the, somebody's got to know the same. They're not, though, because, like you said, there is a moment. I've done the meet and greets. There's a moment that you get to meet with the band, yeah. you take the photo, um, and it's just like that's such an added memory to that concert experience, you know? Um, sure. Where I guess, I, I guess in a way, to me, if I'm – you know, if I, if I have to pay Jose Canseco and he doesn't even look me in the eyes and he signs a picture and, and he throws it to the side, like that was my experience. There is nothing there. You know, it's like, it's, I, it's, it's honestly a negative experience. Yeah. It's, it's going to, to jade you on the person. Exactly. And it did. It did. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I was, that, I was that sucks, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's okay. I still have the, the, uh, I still have a, a poster. It was, it was like the, him and, on one side of the San Francisco bridge and Mark McGuire on the other. And I got the Bash brothers, the Bash brothers. I was like, it's right on there. And I forgot what it was. Look at that. That's so cool, man. So (laughs) (laughs) collectors out there, if you learn anything from me and JB, man, make sure just keep that (laughs) hobby alive. It's good. It's good in some way. (laughs) Okay. It is good. It'll fulfill you. It will do some purpose. Yeah, absolutely, man. So all, all my all my CD collectors, vinyl collectors, all you guys out there, just keep it going. I'll tell you right now, if uh, if I was depressed and sad and all things were going bad and I didn't even have food in the fridge, if I had one Chef Boyardee can and a new vinyl, I would be happy. I mean, that's and that's because oh, there's a moment where I'm like, that's how it is. You're easy to please then, and that's good. It's <laughs> a good thing. Mini raviolis, not the spaghetti and meatball Chef Boyardee. So I'm being a little picky. <laughs> Being a little piggy there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with that, guys, I do want, I do, uh, once again, I want to tell everybody because my time's just about up with you here. Um, I want everybody to know Guardians is coming out April 3rd. Fantastic record. It's your eighth. You guys are so consistent, so excellent. Um, this is the follow up. Um, two times in a row, you guys nominated for Grammys. So we're hoping this, uh, this pulls out another Grammy and, and, and hopefully there's an, a win. Because I do, I do think that you guys definitely deserve that honor as well. So, um, oh, thanks, man. You're That'd ve- be incredible. You're very welcome, and and us as fans, 
all of us keep your eye open, if I'm allowed to say this, for rescheduled dates with August Burns Red, Kill Switch Engage. Again, nothing's official, but keep your eyes open. That tour is not one we want to miss here in North America. So with that, JB, been a fan for so long. So glad I finally got to chat with you, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, man. We're we're honored to be a part of uh, the podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Forever! Your deeds are pending!
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the new record, Guardians. It's coming out April 3rd. Make sure you guys are picking it up. That track is called Paramount. Second song you heard off the same record, that is Defender, guys. Make sure you are picking up Guardians. Fantastic record. Last song that we played for you guys is off of the new record by Heaven Shall Burn. That song is called Eradicate. And their new double album, of Truth and Sacrifices came out a couple weeks ago. Great record. Make sure you guys are checking this one out. And with that, I want to thank everybody for the five-star reviews that we keep getting on iTunes. You guys are the best. That's all we ask for here at the Metal Sucks Podcast. Go into the iTunes, click in that little five-star review. That's it. I want to thank everybody also who keeps checking out our other podcast, Rise to Offend, the documentary podcast. Um, we really want to thank you guys for the reviews on that as well. Go check it out. This is the time to go listen to five hours on Phil Anselmo. Go listen five hours on Henry Rollins. Go listen to a five-hour documentary on Peter Steele, on Chappelle's show, whatever. We got them all right there. On the Cleveland Browns. Oh, God, what a painful listen. Yeah, Trey, we, pa- Trey Parker, Matt Stone, six hours on him. We Let's left go. the Cleveland Browns one like uh, on a hint of positivity because it was before the season. We're like, oh, yeah. all right, they won seven games next yeah. last year. They're going to win, and they lost more games. Well, we're not doing a part three. Okay. <laughs> we are not doing a part so, three. So thank you guys for supporting <laughs> Part that. three ends with me swinging from a belt. <laughs> <laughs> Just the photo on the Instagram is just Brandon in a closet. My Sharona. Suicide party. It's ironic. It's ironic. I'm not dead, guys. The Cleveland Browns killed Brandon party. It's a irony. Jesus. All right, guys. Fuck it. You got two episodes last week. We'll see you in a week from now. All right. Have a good one, y'all. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.